Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to the AI After Party. I'm joined, as always, by a man who's too old to fight, too slow to run, but just right to shoot. Ryan, what's up? That's not bad. That's not bad. That's that's like a warning my dad gave me a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Back when you could say that kind of thing. Nothing to do with robots or AI or anything, but he told me... Uh, never fight an ugly man because he's got nothing to lose, and never fight an old man because if he can't fight, he might just kill you. Mm-hmm. Words to live by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, just jump to it. Tell them what they need to know. Share us with somebody who you think might like us. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear next at crypticpodcast.com. Look for us on social media. You can find us on TikTok at cryptique underscore podcast, YouTube at cryptique podcast with no underscore you can check out the bear box link in the show notes because that helps us out they have a lot of cool designs and the cryptique store is up at crypticpodcaststore.com oh all right well we just covered ai in tuesday's episode so we're gonna stay in line with that what are we talking about tonight Jeffrey Hinton is a British-Canadian cognitive psychologist and computer scientist most noted for his work on artificial neural networks. From 2013 to 2023, he divided his time working for Google and Google Brain, the project, and the University of Toronto. And my phone is going off because I said Google. Uh, Before publicly announcing his departure from Google in May of 2023, citing concerns about the risks of AI technology. And this guy is considered like he was phrase as being the godfather no not the godfather the father of ai right yeah he's uh got a lot of credentials yeah it wasn't like godfather he's the one that controls it it's like the father of like the creator of yes he was seminal in ai technology (laughs) yeah after leaving, he has commended Google for acting very responsibly while developing their AI, but changed once Microsoft started incorporating a chatbot into its Bing search engine, and the company began becoming concerned about the risk to its search business. And which, yeah, which is interesting because I don't know if you guys remember, audience out there or UJ, that that a couple years ago there was this whole thing where. Like Google's AI may be sentient. There was this engineer who came out saying like it was sentient and expressed like concern about itself and its well-being and wanted to be free and all this stuff. I believe that was based on their Adam's family doorbell that goes off on their phones. (laughs) I thought that it had actually tried to file a lawsuit or had filed a lawsuit, something like that. Yeah, I don't know if it did. It's, I believe it's their Lambda model, which is something that they were using internally. I don't think it was used externally in any way, but it was basically about as advanced as ChatGPT seems to be. From what I was able to find, it looks like he may have said things to it that kind of led it to do this, hmm. to say these things, because there were earlier AIs that basically would just kind of re contextualize what you said to try to answer your questions and give it the appearance of a conversation without being able to really think. Uh-huh. So if you're saying like, are you a real person? It might be like, I, yes, I am a real person or no, I'm not a real person. It's, you know, who knows which one it's going to do. It's going to do the one it thinks is that it's programming determines is more likely to make it seem human, mm-hmm. you know, leaving out the word thinking. But yeah, now Google's having to push that kind of stuff. Like they're 
their version of chat GPT, essentially their competitor is called Bard, which I have access to and have been playing with a little bit. And it's definitely more limited. It really doesn't want to branch out and do stuff it's not supposed to do. Like you can trick chat GPT into doing a lot. Mm-hmm. Bard is a lot harder to trick. <laughs> but anyway, uh, in 2017, he co-founded and became the chief scientific advisor of the Vector Institute in Toronto with David Rummelhart, Rummelhart, Rummelhart. And Ronald J. Williams Hinton was co-author of a highly cited paper published in 1986 that popularized the backpropagation algorithm for training multi-layer neural networks, although they were not the first to propose such research. Hinton is viewed as a leading figure in the deep learning community. The dramatic image recognition milestone of the AlexNet designed of the AlexNet, designed in collaboration with his students. Alex Krzyzewski and Ilya Stutzkever, I'm going to say. Yes. <laughs> I like that you just laugh at me and I go, yes. <laughs> uh, for the ImageNet Challenge, 2012 was a breakthrough in the field of computer vision. Hinton received the 2018 Turing Award together with Yashua Bengio. Yeah, Yashua Bengio. I like that name and Jan LeCun for their work on deep learning. They are sometimes referred to as the godfathers. Okay, so I have seen it as the godfathers of AI. The godfathers of AI and the godfathers of deep learning, and I have continued to give public talks to... Oh, I feel vindicated. In May 2023, Hinton announced his resignation from Google to be able to freely speak about the risks of AI. He had voiced concerns about deliberate misuse by malicious actors, technological unemployment, and existential risk from artificial general intelligence. Hinton's research concerns ways of using neural networks for machine learning, memory, perception, and symbol processing. He has written or co-written more than 200 peer-reviewed publications. At the Conference on Neural Information Processing Systems, lively conference, he introduced a new... Lots of parties at that place, man. Yeah, definitely. A new learning algorithm for neural networks that he calls the forward-forward algorithm. Hinton was elected a fellow of the Royal Society in 1998. His certificate of election for the Royal Society reads, Jeffrey E. Hinton is internationally distinguished for his work on artificial neural nets, especially how they can be designed to learn without the aid of a human teacher. This may well be the start of autonomous, intelligent, brain-like machines. He has compared the effects of brain damage with effects of losses in such a net and found striking similarities with human impairment, such as for recognition of names and losses of categorization. His work includes studies of mental imagery and inventing puzzles for testing originality and creative intelligence. It is conceptual, mathematically sophisticated, and experimental. He brings these skills together with striking effort to produce important works of great interest. So a shining review. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So Hinton previously believed that artificial general intelligence was 30 to 50 years or even longer away. However, in a March 2023 interview with CBS, he stated that, quote, General purpose AI may be fewer than 20 years away and could bring about changes comparable in scale with the Industrial Revolution or electricity. Within the last week, Hinton revealed in an interview with BBC that AI might soon surpass the information capacity of the human brain. 
He described some of the risks posed by these chatbots as quite scary. Hinton explained that chatbots can learn independently and share knowledge. This means that whenever one copy acquires new information, it is automatically disseminated to the entire group. This allows AI chatbots to have the capability to accumulate knowledge far beyond the capacity of any individual. Hinton expressed concerns about AI takeover, stating that it's not inconceivable that AI could wipe out humanity. <laughs> These are just light things to... It's not inconceivable. Wow. <laughs> Hinton states that AI systems capable of intelligent agency will be useful for military or economic purposes. He worries that generally intelligent AI systems could create uh, sub-goals that are unaligned with their programmer's interests. So essentially, you know, your goal is make the world perfect, and it might decide, okay, uh, what makes it unperfect? Oh, humans. So get rid- getting rid of humans is a sub-goal. Yeah, it's like the classic genie wishes, right? Like, you have to be super specific. Right. He states that AI systems may become power-seeking to prevent themselves from being shut off. Not because programmers intended them to, but because those sub-goals are useful for achieving later goals. Hinton says we have to think hard about how to control AI systems capable of self-improvement. Pretty scary. Hinton also worries about misuse, and specifically deliberate misuse of AI by malicious actors, stating that it is hard to see how you can prevent the bad actors from using AI for bad things. In 2017, Hinton called for an international ban on lethal autonomous weapons. So these would be military weapons capable of making their own decisions instead of waiting for a human commander to give an order. There are also economic impacts. Hinton was previously optimistic about the economic effects of AI, noting in 2018 that the phrase artificial general intelligence carries with it the implication that this sort of single robot is suddenly going to be smarter than you. I don't think it's going to be that. I think more and more of the routine things we do are going to be replaced by AI systems. Hinton also previously argued that AGI won't make humans redundant. AI in the future is going to know a lot about what you're probably going to want to do, but it's not going to replace you. Hinton became worried that AI technologies will in time upend the job market and take away more than just drudge work. And in politics, Hinton moved from the U.S. to Canada in part due to disillusionment with Ronald Reagan-era politics and disapproval of military funding of artificial intelligence. Well, we will talk about how AI is being used to simulate what mice are seeing after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. Damn that Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. I think we're probably good. I don't know that the... I think the only point I would make is... Military funding of AI. Mm-hmm. I think it's just... I mean, at its... Okay, okay that this is a sub-goal that is unaligned with what Hinton wants. Right? Uh-huh. Just like he was talking about. Hypothetically, a military's job is to protect the the country. Protect right. its borders, its sovereignty, its people, whatever. Mm-hmm. So a sub-goal in doing that is to 
find out what can be weaponized and do it like partially to maintain competitiveness, but also to understand what your enemies are going to be doing. Cause if we don't do it, somebody else is going to be doing it too. Like we're, and we're just not going to have it. So yeah. uh, I, I don't know. I get what he's like. I get why he would disapprove, but I don't know that it's going to do any good because if it's not the U S with it, it's going to be China and Russia and you know, whoever else. I mean, and other countries that are friendly to us are going to do it too. Canada will probably do it. Australia will probably Hmm. do it. The UK will probably do it. Everybody that can will, even if it's a secret. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, Reagan had uh, star Wars. So he was, do you remember back then? I mean, I was too little at the time, but, you know, he seems like he's like, oh, yeah, we're, and I could do a bad Reagan impersonation, but like, yeah, I'm building, you know, the, it, almost like a space force where all these satellites that we have will shoot down everything that, you know, Russia or China or anybody could send our way. And it's like, you would probably want to use AI for that as soon as you could. And it could be true or it could be just total bullshit saying, you know, don't try and send your missiles over because we'll shoot them down. So. Mm -hmm. All right. So should we move on? All right. According to a Daily Mail article, an innovative algorithm named Zebra developed by a team from Ecole Polytechnique Federale de Lausanne or EPFL, offers a potential pathway to interpreting and visualizing mental images. Zebra was trained to map mouse brain activity to corresponding frames in movies, allowing it to predict and visualize what a mouse is seeing in real time. This breakthrough follows similar advancements, such as the real-time conversion of human thoughts into text via AI by researchers at the University of Texas. At Austin. Zebra, a machine learning algorithm, refines its task performance through data driven learning. It was trained with movies viewed by mice and concurrent real time brain activity data, enabling it to understand the relationship between specific neural signals and movie frames. When exposed to unfamiliar brain activity, Zebra could predict the mouse's viewed content at the time. This predictive capability was demonstrated in a zebra-generated film that effectively mirrored the original content, suggesting promising applications for the visually impaired and immobile patients through brain-machine interfaces. Yeah, so essentially it's figuring out, like, if you're an alien who found, like, Voyager or whatever, the one that had the golden record on it, Mm-hmm. The big, you know, the first challenge would be to figure out what that is and how to use it, right? How the information is on it. Right. And that it would be a stylus that goes into the grooves and picks up a vibration. This is essentially a machine learning algorithm figuring out how our brains encore, encode visual data, mm. which is super cool. Yeah, as long as that's all they put in. <laughs> yeah, I just figured it was worth pointing out like that is what they're doing. They're like, okay, this is the pattern the brain makes when we see stuff. Right. Cool. 
and now we can figure out what you're seeing based on that pattern. Like this is what the pattern of somebody seeing uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger with his shirt off and a sword. Like, <laughs> now we now know what that looks like. <laughs> what? I had a scene from Conan what? came into my mind. I don't know. Oh, cut that out. Uh, no. Leave Conan. Leave Conan alone. The study recently published in Nature employed two techniques to measure mouse brain activity. Mm -hmm. Electrode probes directly gauged activity in the visual cortex area, while optical probes were used on genetically engineered mice whose neurons fluoresce green when active. That sounds ethical. Yeah. Utilizing these signals, Zebra learned to associate brain signals with specific movie frames. When new brain activity data from a mouse viewing a slightly modified movie clip was introduced, the algorithm could predict the frame being viewed by the mouse in real time. Dr. Mackenzie Mathis, the study's principal investigator, emphasized that they didn't predict individual pixels, but entire frames with a striking accuracy of over 95%. They're now planning pixel-wise decoding as their next step. So I guess that would be essentially doing the same thing, only much more complex. There'd be much more actions needed. In a demo video, a mouse was shown watching a 1960s movie clip. A concurrent screen showed Zebra's interpretation, which, though slightly glitchy, was impressively similar to the original footage. This was achieved with data from just 1% of neurons in a mouse's visual cortex, translating to about 0.5 million neurons, which you well know. Zebra's potential extends beyond visual information interpretation with capabilities to predict primate arm movements and ascertain a rat's location in its pen. Dr. Mathis un underscored its potential to provide novel insights into brain information processing and open up possibilities for data amalgamation across animals and species for new neuroscience discoveries. Does it sound like at some point, because this would be phenomenal to be able to actually communicate with your animal more, you know, deeply than just sit or come here. Good boy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it would at least give us a better understanding because I, I have seen that video where they're, okay. you know, they have the glitchy clip and it is kind of hard to believe Mm -hmm. that the computer I'm not sure how the computer is like generating that image because it is like perfect apart from being glitchy you know it's like it skips right because you see like a guy run across the screen and then you see the guy like two or three more times just like little frames where it kind of like jumps and you see him back as it's trying to progress so it's you're this, drunk it's this glitchiness <laughs> that could be I mean, it could be explained by like the the mouse is thinking about it. Like the mouse is like, was that a guy? Yeah, that was totally a guy. And each time you see that come back. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's. It. They're also saying in the video though that the researchers are talking about that you know we can get potentially insight into like the emotional state or the mental state of a person or an animal watching something or experiencing something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it would be really cool to an extent to know what your animal is <laughs> thinking or what they're feeling. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I can't wait till they go to sleep so I can take a shit on the rug. <laughs> right. Or I hope they don't know that I wipe my ass along the runner all down the hallway. Right. Right. Absolutely. Now, the possibility of primate arm movement obviously is kind of a veiled reference to helping people be able to use their arms and legs again. Mm-hmm. And that would be incredible. I mean, that would be arguably one of the greatest scientific discoveries or inventions or whatever of all time. If you could make people see or you could make, you know, people walk again. And I guarantee you, good old Elon Musk is balls deep in this whole thing. <laughs> God. Yeah. All right. Last month, a similar technology was introduced by a team from Osaka University. Using human brain data, their algorithm successfully reconstructed around 1,000 images, including a teddy bear and an airplane, from brain scans with 80% accuracy. Meanwhile, a team from the University of Texas at Austin showcased a technology that converts brain activity into text. While the potential applications are exciting, these developments raise significant concerns about mental privacy. Right. And if you're somebody like me, I'm just going to jump into my thoughts here. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you're somebody like me who... So I was concerned. There, there were those news reports years ago about like what your phone is tracking and how it's tracking. Yeah. Right. And there were people saying that like they put their phone on airplane mode. I remember seeing a video of a news anchor like... You know, we turned this phone on to airplane mode and then we reconnected it and we had the software monitoring what it was sending. And the phone basically sent all of this data back, like mm-hmm. saying, like, this is where I was. I wasn't able to dial home. Like, this is where I went. This was the elevation. This was the temperature, the, all this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, all this, all this data about the phone's condition. And they're like, you know, this is really scary. It sends all this stuff back about you. Like, you know, any of these companies can know where you are and what you're doing and blah, blah, blah. For sure. So if you're worried at all about that, you should be really worried about any technology that allows them to access your thoughts because they will say, you know, the reason we're doing this is to provide some kind of improved service or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And it truly is for the most part, the same thing with the way your phone tracks you, you know, my phone tracking my location, at least my Android phone. And actually, you know, the iPhones that I've had too, because I tend to go back and forth like every general, you know, every time I get a new phone, I get the other. And I've noticed that they both do this, although Android did it first, from what I was able to see, they would track where you went and they would find patterns. And then they would recommend, you know, if you're going to this place, you should leave now, right? Mm -hmm. Like I would get in my car with my iPhone and it would say, hey, it's... 10 minutes to get to this address because mm-hmm. it would figure, Hey, on Tuesday nights, you tend to go here. Mm-hmm. Right. And there, they would say, that is why we need to track that. Or Google might be able to say like, Hey, here's an ad for a sale at this store that you always go to. Mm-hmm. Or like, Hey, is this your workplace? So we can add that to your information and you could just say, navigate to work or you know, whatever. Yeah. And they'll, they'll come they'll come through with something like that and be like, Hey, you know, if you're thinking about tea, our chip in your brain will like turn on your smart kettle and get things ready for you. Mm-hmm. But it's like, man, I do not think I would do that. 
Oh, absolutely not. Stay human. Stay human. With a phone, you can turn it off. You can... You used to be able to take the batteries out. You can put it in a drawer. You can leave it at home. But you can't... As much as men think we can, we can't just totally shut our brains off. Mm-hmm. What do you What do you think about this? I mean, would you use some kind of brain-computer interface? Nope. No way. No way. I think that any of this will be weaponized. It will be right. used against you. And right. I mean, they've already found ways to... Ha- Sorry to hijack your comment. <laughs> they've already found ways to, like, tap into your security camera footage if they're internet connected. Right. Yeah. Next, they'll be tapping into your visual cortex. Absolutely. And, you know, we've said it before, mankind makes weapons out of everything. We, we use pillows to kill people. So, you think <laughs> AI is not going to be used? Yeah. But, yeah. Man. I don't know. Let us know what you think at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. War booty. Tell them what they need to know. I think you should search in your heart and find someone you really care for and then send them a link to this show because they deserve to experience the same joy that our chronic mispronunciations bring you. (laughs) So (laughs) let people know about the show if you like it. You know, get in contact with us if you want to tell us that you like it, don't like it, want to ask for something, want to tell us we were wrong about something. Maybe you have had some kind of interaction with a machine learning algorithm that is helping you to see again, hear again, move again Um, in some kind of research study. We'd love to hear about something like that. I see, you know, articles about it online all the time. They're trying to develop this stuff. And at this point... You know, this is going to be an interesting period to look back on in the future because things develop so quickly. But just as a P.S. real quick, I I wanted to, you know, I, I said no, no way, no way. But I definitely wouldn't judge anybody who, you know, is in a wheelchair or, you know, does have vision impairment for doing something like this because it's. It's very enticing and seductive. And, you know, I pray that, you know, it works out for everybody that that does get it. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where I say, yeah, never. But if I lost my sight or my hearing or, you know, was para or quadriplegic, who knows what I would do. So, well, and I think we're talking about commercial optional. Yeah. You know, brain implants that allow you to scroll TikTok in your head. As opposed to medical implementations, which is more yeah. like what we're talking about here, like Jordy's visor from Next Generation. But if you know anybody who's going through something like that and you want to tell us about your experiences with these kind of tools or interfaces, we'd love to hear it at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. As always, we're on TikTok at crypticpodcast with an underscore in between and YouTube, same address, but without the underscore. You can find the Parabox link in the show notes and check out all their cool designs. And you can find the stuff that we're starting to put out at crypticpodcaststore.com. Good evening, Crypt Keepers.